This is Good Faith Effort with Ari Lam. And here's your host, Rabbi Dr. Ari Lam. Hello, hello, and welcome to Good Faith Effort, the world's most dangerous Bible podcast, the podcast where we show you how the values and ideas of the Bible can illuminate the most important conversations in society, from politics to pop culture and beyond. And today, Good Faith fam, we have an absolutely unprecedented guest with us. He's a stand-up comedian. He's an actor. Yeah, you know it was coming. The man, the myth, the legend. Modi is with us, and we're obviously going to talk comedy and get into a whole bunch of great stuff, but let me first set the stage. So Jews across the world this week are going to celebrate Hanukkah, which is probably the best-known Jewish holiday. At the very least, it's like the LeBron to Passover's like Jordan, and maybe most importantly, it's the holiday that taught kids in the 90s all across this great country of ours that O.J. Simpson's actual last name is not a Jew. But in all seriousness, I think the popular version of Hanukkah, which most American Jews are familiar with, is like the Eight Crazy Nights version. So it's like a ragtag group of scrappy Jews triumph over the mighty Greeks and so forth. And then there's also like the radical chic contrarian version, like the Christopher Hitchens version, which reads Hanukkah as like a tragedy in which the forces of like backward medieval religion snuff out the rationalism that the Greeks wanted to bring to the world. But I think the best way to understand Hanukkah is as the first clash between Athens and Jerusalem after Alexander the Great brought those two great civilizations into contact because Alexander's world conquest wasn't just a military conquest. It was a conquest of Greek language and culture. And the Greeks who now ruled the world didn't just see their cultural dominance as mere happenstance, like just the winners writing the history books. They truly saw their culture as totally superior to every other and worked as best as they could to make sure that every one of their subjects adopted it. So for the Greeks, there was a virtue in every single nation and people telling a single story. But for heirs to the biblical tradition, the tradition of the Torah, this would have sounded like nonsense because the Bible thought of its world as containing 70 different nations, each one of which has its own story, its own responsibilities, its own purpose. And so the Jewish revolt against the Greeks wasn't in the end, about whether Jerusalem is better than Athens or vice versa. It was about whether civilizational and cultural difference is worth preserving and even honoring. And in a deliberately, wonderfully diverse society like America, this question is more urgent than ever. Like, how do we talk about difference without, on the one hand, fetishizing it or allowing it to degenerate into bigotry or, on the other hand, ignoring it or pretending like we're all just totally the same? So in short, how do we tell our different unique stories in a way that not just feels, but actually is authentic and gives us new perspectives on the world, but at the same time brings us all together? Now, of course, because we live in a generation that's like totally incapable of having nice things, we've basically discovered all the most unproductive and polarizing ways to talk about difference. But to me, and maybe this is because I've been a comedy fan my entire life, I feel like our best hope for telling unique stories about different ways of thinking and living in a really healthy way is comedy. And I think maybe the best person out there doing that right now is here with us today. He's a stand-up comedian, he's an actor, he's a comedic genius. We got Modi, ladies and gentlemen, Modi! First, I want to tell you, your whole, your whole introduction sounds so Christian <laughs> with the good faith and Bible. Uh, and the, the only thing missing from your intro was the <laughs> Lord. That was the only thing you didn't say. Say Torah. Say Torah. <laughs> it's a good faith. How do you say good faith? What's the good word for good faith in, in uh, Hebrew? I'm going to Comedic uh, genius. We're, we're dropping it. <laughs> comedy that. Rosh Yeshiva. Modi is here. Thank you so much for being with us. <laughs> wow. The comedy Rosh Yeshiva. I love that. This is good. Wow, that intro was long. 
Oh my God, the Greeks and the and the why 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 did you get into it? Wow, you, start, you, you can't you amazing. can't get to the bar mitzvah voice speech until you have like seven grandparents go first, right? So like we gotta do the prologue. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you did a nice job of it. So at the end, what was the question? Because that was a big buildup. So here's what I want to ask. Comedy is in this like weird place right now. Yes. In the same way as like art museums in a way, right? I feel like for art museums right now, like if you're a curator or like the dean of an art school, you're always talking about like what art does, like what's its social utility, like it cultivates empathy. And so art's supposed to like help you be a more productive citizen. And if it doesn't have that result, then it doesn't have a purpose. And I feel like we sort of get sucked into asking that same question about comedy. Like how does comedy make us better citizens? What's its social utility? So my question is, does comedy need to have a social utility or is there something magical about laughter and it doesn't need like a results oriented justification like how do you think about the why of comedy i don't think it needs to comedy needs to make people in the audience laugh period so you have an audience in front of you you have people viewing whatever they're going through they have now a few moments of not being in what they're going through during the pandemic, I would do Zoom shows, I would do clips and videos just to get people out of their head about what's happening in the world. If you can put a message in there, oh, even better, even better. You know, the Yoeli character, the, the Hasidic character I do, um, came about because when I was doing the, when I was doing, we, we, we were stuck at home, I built a studio and we were doing this character and the Hasidim were getting such a bad press. I don't know if you live in the New York yeah. area and they were just there because they, they couldn't quarantine. It just, not that they didn't want to, it's impossible. It was impossible for them. And so the character I did, yes, it was getting jokes, but the, also it was, his purpose was always the similarities between Hasidim and the other people and that they have a sense of humor and then they're not all of this horrendous things that you see on television, like in the movie Unorthodox or My Unorthodox Life. They're not, they're not villains. They're not, you know, villains. They're, there are a few villains in every world, but, so, but the, the goal is laughter. And after that, if you can put a message in there, oh, Zolzain, it should be, it should be a good thing. I love it. And actually, I, I wanted to get to Yoli later on, but like, let's let's do Yoli now because it, that was my favorite thing during the pandemic. And it just brought really it really it brought so much light to everybody that I know. And it made me it made me not just laugh. It also made me reflect. I mean, like one of the last minorities that it feels like it's totally cool to just like relentlessly dump on and mock are very visibly Orthodox Jews and especially like Hasidim. And I feel like you know, for some of the examples you brought up before, that actually is like a part of pop culture now. So when you went into your portrayal of Yaeli as a character, like what were you looking for? What were you looking for in the character that made it so much more nuanced and so much more real and, and fleshed out? First of all, to be authentic and um, and to what was happening in the world. I don't know. It's just like, I've done a few times I, I played a Hasidic guy. And so I had all the lavush, all the, the, the outfits for it. And then um, just there was a topic now. There's this pandemic and everybody's just saying unprecedented and unprecedented. And I love the way Hasidim speak, you know, the way they they just take English and put it into Yiddish. And so I was putting these these videos out. And um, at first it was just, you know, just for a laugh, a content. It was just content. And then it had a purpose and it was like people were like... People were enjoying 
listening to some Yiddish that they kind of knew, but they didn't know that they know. <laughs> so if you hear Yerli, he's always, whatever he says in Yiddish, he then translates right away in English. English. So like, oh yeah, that, that's what that means. Yeah. Shik, send. Oh, that's right. I know Shik. My grandma used to say that. So gay people, just something fun to, 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 uh, to, to be doing during the pandemic. And, um, and now the character, so I don't know if you know, but I've been on the road. I've been doing this tour called Know Your Audience. And uh, the first show, my opening act, I had a comedian that was going to open and he didn't, he wasn't able to come. And I was like, what do I need him for? I have Yoily. And <laughs> I went out there and um, I literally did crowd work. The first show was in Fort Lo No, the first show was in, um, the first show was in Long Island. Yeah, and he went out there and just started speaking to the people. I could tell it was like a, a rich crowd. So I was making fun of the Hamptons. I was making fun of whatever the neighborhood was and having a great time just speaking with them. And in Yiddish, but then translating right away. And they were dying and they were having a great time. Then I kind of refined the character because, I mean, I only did that the day of. Then we put some graphics on and we had a bigger introduction. And, uh, and that was in Fort Lauderdale. And then uh, two nights ago, I was in Skokie. And then I just wrote, I literally wrote his act out for him. And so 12 <laughs> Minutes of Yoily opens the show. And I did kind of like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, you, you know, the biggest things that Yoily did great was the, the reviews of shows. Yeah, so the Crown, I, Tiger King. Right. So I had written one down for American Pickers. Did you ever see that show? American, American, American Pickle? American Pickers. Pickers, okay. Pickers. Pickers, yeah. Have you seen the show ever? I haven't. It's these two guys that go around America and buy garbage that people have that are really antiques and they, it's a whole show. But I'm, <laughs> I mean, imagine, oh my it's God. like, I don't want to give the jokes away, but it's so, I'm doing this on stage. That's like the nursing homes of reality shows. I love it. <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's an amazing show and it's addictive. And if you watch it and uh, it's so good, you want to see how much he's going to get for it. And they give you the history of the garbage that they're looking through. But I taught the audience the word Drek and I, and we had just a great time with it. And then boom, the audience is set. And then I go off, put some music on. I come back as Modi and we do the show. So Yerli evolved into literally a stand up set this past three weeks that I've been doing this tour. And so it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So I actually, I literally pitched this to someone the other day. Like one of the things I loved so much about the Yaeli character is it really captures like the super confidence that you have like in the Hasidic world. Like yes. so confident. That, so amazing. <laughs> and, I, and I want it, which I love. And I actually want to get to that in a more serious vein in just a moment. But what I loved, what it reminded me of in a weird way was like Ali G that just total confidence and like it doesn't matter what knowledge you come in with like it's just total confidence that you could get to the bottom of any topic absolutely and like my pitch to you and i want to curious what you think about this is like yaeli like yaeli meets ali g like that would be an amazing show just like get people to get like experts together in a room and just have yaeli mc them i feel like that'd be amazing yeah uh, I, I, I'm up for it. Uh, as of right now, he's doing stand up. right now. Yeah. He's <laughs> doing stand up and crowd work and, uh, but I'm open to anything with him. It's, uh, he's such a great character and he's such a, he's just a, all about just what do we have in common? Not what makes us different and, uh, what, what makes us different. And, um, <laughs> you just and, like slipped into Yaeli there. <laughs> yeah. I slipped into Yaeli. And so, uh, and so it's just, I love it. And I'm, I'm so happy people love it. And you know, most of my cameos, I do a lot of cameos. Do you know what that is? 
Yeah, like the uh, like the app. Yeah, the Cameo app. There's an app called Cameo.com and people hire me to do messages. So I've done about 800 and I would say nice. 600 have been Yoeli. They wanted Yoeli instead of me or Nir, the Israeli character. So <laughs> so that and and it's fun and you know and all the shows I've been doing people come to me afterwards and show me the they show me the video I made for them and it's it's great. Yeah. So I actually want to get into that in in a little bit of a more serious register, which is like I said, I think one of the most insightful things that you totally nailed with Yaeli, it, it wasn't just the confidence. It was, it was like a sense of relentless optimism that things are bad, but we can solve them. Like I got a guy, he could fix the national debt. Like I yeah. got a, you know, and probably the most famous example of that kind of thinking. I, I know this, this will sound like a jump, but I'm going to talk, I want to try and talk you into it. I think the most famous example of that kind of thinking in 20th century America, like that's basically Martin Luther King Jr. It's like we're facing a totally intractable problem. It's like American racism and it's anti-black racism in America. You would think there is no possible way we could ever get past this. But here I am kind of preaching a vision of a society that actually can move forward from this and heal from this. And the way that historians kind of account for that, and, and King did it himself, is like the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. That's like the most easily mockable part of Dr. King, if you're kind of like your sort of average secular thinker, because it sounds like magical thinking. Like, what do you mean the moral universe bends towards justice? Like, what, it happens by magic? But if you look at where King is getting that from, like he's quoted, like he's relying on Exodus. He's talking about Moses every day. He's referring mm -hmm. to Amos, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and all of his most famous speeches. And I think that that kind of, that kind of idea that no, actually society can solve our problems because God will help us. We just have to put in the work. It's something that I feel like it's hard to talk about in contemporary American society, but like Yaeli brings that, right? And I feel like it's, you could easily mock that impulse amongst Hasidim as like also magical thinking. And in this case, like, yes, it probably comes from a place of faith, but is that a lesson that Americans can learn from that outlook, the Hasidic outlook, Yaeli's outlook, you know, like in a more serious tone, like King's outlook? Wow, it's a, you, you're one of those intellectual people. Um, <laughs> no, you're one of those uh -oh. people. No, no, you're, you're that. Um, so I don't, I, 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 the, the greatest thing about Yoeli and the Hasidic community is, it, and I actually have a jokes that I do about it in my act about that, you know, we're, as Jews, we're not looking to convert anybody to what we are. Be what you are. Do your thing. I say, be the guy you are, you know, <laughs> right. enjoy it. Go do your thing. Leave us alone. One of the most amazing things about the Jewish religion is that we don't recruit. We're not looking for you to convert to us. I have a whole thing in my act about it. And it, except the blacks, you, do, you don't have to be black. You don't have to be Irish. You don't have to be Asian. Let them do their thing. Don't look to make them do your thing. And don't fear that they're taking over your world. And don't fear that, you know... And so in the Hasidic world, they're like, you know, it's... um. They're completely themselves. They're completely themselves. And they, they see others as different from them, but they're not looking to make them, you know, that they don't want the guy to become them. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make any exactly. sense to you? Kind of like... No, and it's like, I think like the, the caricature that sometimes Jews get is like, oh, you're not universalistic. You're so particularistic, so you don't care about other people. And it's like, no, like universalist traditions or whatever, like need everybody to be the same. 
God forbid. Exactly. No, they should. They, that, that, whatever that, whatever that is, of universal, universal studios. What is that? Universal studios. <laughs> exactly. Universal Studios universal needs all the studios, studios to be on the Universal lot. But like the cool, thi- the right. cool thing no, about Judaism. No, do your yeah. thing. Do your thing. Like be the best version your, of yourself. What, yeah, and whatever the version is, the best version of whatever you are is accept other people. Yeah, you understand that whatever your it's. If you're the best version of Christian, Catholic, Muslim, it's love everybody else. So, so just leave them alone. You know, just don't look to convert them and don't look to to have them think the way you want and to live under the laws that that you know. Jews don't. I mean, this is of course not in Israel, but Jews in the world, we we don't in America want everybody to eat kosher. No, but like halal and and all of the there's people who there's Muslims that actually want all of the country to be run under Muslim rule. There's Muslims in England, especially they want all of England to leave parliamentary law and leave all the years of civilization that they built. And they should now be under Muslim rule. I forgot the name of it. Uh, you definitely know what's it called when you you governed under the Muslim rule theocracy or a caliphate. Or, or, no, there's a word for it. What I don't know. There's a word for it, but go find a Jew. Yes, the whole, all of America should be glad kosher. <laughs> Friday, close Friday, open Saturday. No, no. Let the guy have his holiday. Let the guy have his Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, whatever day he brings for the Lord and do your thing. And that's, you know, and that's the Hasidim. That's the, that's the, they're not looking to recruit. Hold on just one sec. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. So I was listening to the rapper Lecrae the other day because he went on he went on Van Lathan's podcast on the Ringer. Shouts to Van, friend of the pod. And Lecrae Lecrae is fascinating because he's like a deeply faithful Christian. Speaking of which, and he brings that into his art. But what he talked about on the pod was the difference between being a Christian rapper and a rapper who's Christian. And and the latter doesn't mean you ignore the Christianity in your life, but it's more that it's one of the things that influences your art. And I actually thought about this when I saw you and Elon Gold in that episode of Crashing, Pete Holmes's show, and you were awesome that episode, by the way, but you're- Thank you. But you're specifically on an episode where Pete's like exploring what role Christianity plays in his life and his comedy. So how do you think about that spectrum when it comes to comedy and, and Jews and Jewishness? Like, where do you fall on that spectrum? I am a Jewish comedian. I'm not a comedian that happens to be Jewish. 100% when I open my mouth within two minutes, everybody that's Jewish or not Jewish knows this is a Jew on stage. And like by design. And it, and it works, you know, and, um, and it's a part of my, it's a part of me, a big part of me being Jewish. And so when I talk about things, it's, it's a Jewish perspective on things. And, um, it's funny, last night I did a corporate event for a, um, like a healthcare organization and half the room was yarmulkes and like yeshivish and the other room was the nurses and the aides and the, and the receptionist and the vendors and complete goyim that like complete goyim and um and you have to do a show that's together they have to be all understand the same jokes you know on different levels <laughs> and so that happened last night and it was just magical first of all you know you talk about the people who speak before you the CEO, the COO, the CMO, all the CCOs. And, and so you have off of that. So now you gather them together and then you do this material. And the Orthodox Jews who've seen me in my clips, like they, they're, they're watching me do material that they've never seen me do. <laughs> but it's still, it's still, I'm at the gym. It's this Jewish guy at the gym. I'm repelling. It's a Jewish guy repelling. It's, it's a, it, they get it and the audience gets it and it's, and it's universal. So, um, 
I hope that that answered the, the, the no the exactly question, and actually that's exactly that's exactly where I ho- was hoping where where that would go because I feel like so like in the NBA like whenever you have like you know if you have like a player from China come into the league it's like oh it's the next Yao Ming it's next next Jeremy Lin like even if their games have like nothing to do with each other right you know I'm, you could think of examples of that so I feel like every comedian who's Jewish like you're the next Jackie Mason but I feel like you because of a, everything you just said, and B, just because of your, you know, your success and the and the way you use comedy, the way you deploy it, like you like really are the successor of Jackie Mason in that respect. And as a big fan of Jackie Mason, when he passed away, I, I actually remember thinking to myself at the time, that was when we had the idea to to bring you on. Like I wanted to hear your reflections on on Jackie Mason. Like, how did that hit you? How did you think about his career? Like, how did you think about his legacy? It's funny, you know, when the Times did the uh, story and they said that this is the next Jackie Mason, that I forgot when that was, but a few years later, he came to see me at a comedy club and he saw me do an hour. And, you know, you're sitting there performing in front of like, this is it, this is it. This is your, and I'm just watching his reaction. And, uh, and afterwards, we were sitting taking a picture and the comedy club owner says to him, you know, the New York Times said that this is the next Jackie Mason. And, and he goes, I'm still alive. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, you know what it is? It's, it's he back in, uh, well, people know mostly from the 80s when he had a show. And, and there was the Jewish voice at that time. Whenever he, he spoke, it's like, that was a Jew, but the Jewish voice has changed. It's not just a guy talking like this who came from Europe and I, this is how I talk and I have a business and I, it's not that. The Jewish voice now is doctors, lawyers, senators, b- crazy successful businessmen, Israelis that moved to America, Israelis that live all over the world, Israelis that, that are, you know, technology. The voice has changed. The voice is no longer this voice. The voice now is this powerful nation that came out of the ashes of the Holocaust and it's a different voice. It's a Yoeli. It's a near. It's a near, exactly. It's a Modi. It's two forms of confidence, you know? It's two forms of crazy confidence now. It's no longer, this, this, should I go? I shouldn't go. It's it's a different voice, the Jewish voice now. And that's, that's so when they say, it's an exclamation, it's just, it's just that the voice of Jews, but the voice has changed. It's no longer, you know, that voice that should I be doing this? I should, you know, it's that. So actually that, that was another thing I wanted to ask you about, because I feel like there's this notion in, in probably not in comedy itself, although you, you'd know obviously a lot better, but I feel like in, you know, people who write about comedy, which is usually like the worst type of people, the people who are like writing about the thing instead of doing it, it's actually the opposite. I feel like there's a sense that like comedy needs to be like punching up, not punching down. It needs to be like from the perspective of somebody who's being dumped on. And part of me feels like like that sensibility almost like came from Jewish comedy back in like the 70s and 80s because, you know, so many prominent comedians are Jewish and the perspective was like, oh, we're kind of pathetic and weird and sad and out of place. Um, and as you've said, like the Jewish voice, not just in comedy, like the Jewish like posture everywhere, like in every walk of life is so different now. What is it like to do not just Jewish comedy, but like comedy in general from the perspective of confidence? Like, does that change the calculus of how you think about comedy? Like it's no longer about like we're in trouble and we need to laugh about our troubles, you know? Yeah. You, you gotta get quicker to the, your, each question you have is like a Haftorah. <laughs> you, it's, it's literally, it's just so many, it's so many layers in it. Um, first of all, confidence in comedy is your ability to be a good comedian. 
whatever the joke is, it's if your confidence is a Jew is confidence, whatever, if you know you can deliver a joke and get this room rocking, that's the confidence. Whether you're, the jokes about the Jews are, okay, we're not great. If you're looking for a basketball play, we're not the basketball players, but we are the best doctors. So it was, it's whatever that is, you know, it's very hacky now, that kind of stuff to be, you know. Exactly. It's very hacky. It's to, to, that, that, to, to be unconfident in what you are. You know, like when, and it's not just Jewish, you know, there's other comedians that are, you know, not attractive and they talk about, I can't believe she was dating me. I'm a three, she's a nine. It's not just Jewish. That's just comedy. The audience needs to, to relate to your situation to it. So when a comic is talking about how he's a three and, and she's a nine, you know, they're looking at him like they get it. They, they, they relate to him. They get his story, you know? So they're looking at me up there. Obviously I'm, I'm not horrific looking, but I remember someone in the audience said to me, um, I go, what do you do? They go, I'm a model. I go, so am I. I'm the before picture. <laughs> you know, it's like that right. kind of, um, of, of humor. The confidence is, is in your ability to deliver jokes. It's not in whatever you are or wherever you're from, if that answers it. No, it does. Like, I actually, I once heard someone describe Curb, I think it was like a writer on Curb, as Dark Talmud. Which like oh interesting yeah which made me laugh because I I read it and I was like yeah Larry David's like what would happen if like a Russian Shiva fell into like a vat of acid like Joker style and came out like a supervillain okay um but I find myself like more often than not like sympathizing with with Larry like trying to make like weird fine distinctions and I feel like people who haven't like grown up studying Talmud are usually like not on Larry's side like do you perceive that at all like when you see that kind of comedy like do you find yourself gravitating towards that distinction making. I'm going to be honest with you, blatantly honest with you, and you're going to be in shock, but I don't watch Curb and I've never seen Seinfeld. <laughs> I've caught an episode here and there, you know, when you're in an airport or whatever, I've, I've seen parts of Curb. It's so not my humor. I can't explain it to you. I'm gonna, I, know, I, know that I'm the, I know that I'm the not normal in this, but it's just not my humor. It's so weird. But, but what I have seen of Curb, it is very Jewish mind oriented. Larry comes from that, that world of Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner and Woody Allen. It's that kind of uh, thought processes, you know, and it's very Talmudic. If you learn the Talmud, you, you see how the thinking goes, even how it's, how it's said, even how you read it. If you read it just with the wrong intonation, it becomes an answer instead of a question. And so it's the same thing in, in that type of humor. Where does Jewish comedy go from here? As you said, like so much of Jewish culture now is like rooted in Israel, where Jews are like a minority and they're powerful and they're proud. Like where does Jewish comedy go from here? It's a huge question. You can't just like, it's, it's so specific. You can't, you can't, you almost cannot. As a person that performs for every single type of Jewish organization from the ultra, ultra, where I'm doing a show Saturday night in front of a mechitza and they're wearing the fur hats to a synagogue in Wisconsin where it's Reform and Rabbi Sharon and uh, it's two different audiences and each one's going in their own direction, but it should be a proud one. It should be a proud of your history and proud of where you're going and it should be with confidence. And you, so you can't really, the Hasidic people, th their comedy is going in one way, the, un, the other ones, it's a different way. Th th there's things that overlap, but not all of it, you know? No, exactly. And, and I, I guess like, I mean, for, you, for your audience, I could go even deeper. For your audience, I can say, 
you know, a Hasidic guy talking about using art scroll for touching the, for, okay, go explain that to, to Bill and Sharon Stern, who donated a bench and congregation in Amuna over, you know what I'm saying? But over there, you know, we don't drive on Saturday, we drive on Friday. It's two different humors. Right, right. It has to be relatable to all of them, and it has to be... Now, if you do a joke about anti-Semitism, now that works for all the whole group. But the future of each one is, is its own. I feel like there's such a... Just speaking of that last point, there's like a whole cottage industry now, I feel like, about being angry about anti-Semitism. And like, don't get me wrong, I'm like anti-anti-Semitism, for sure. Yeah. Anti-Semitism is bad. But just to your point earlier, like the future of Jewish comedy is proud, is self-confident, is like understand where it comes from, its roots, its traditions. Like Absolutely. So I feel like kind of anti-Semitism material is almost like counter to that. Does that, does that make sense to you? Like, how do we talk about, like, how does the future of Jewish comedy that's really focused on confidence, like, deal with anti-Semitism, which just feels like obsessing about it so much feels like a lot of, like, the 80s, 90s thing, even though it's a huge problem, for sure. I don't think it was discussed in the 80s and 90s. Right. Oh, that's, I mean, no, at the level of comedy, for sure. It's discussed now. I mean, I have, I end my show, I go, and now for the end, here's a great topic, anti-Semitism, and I go into mm-hmm, deep, right into anti-Semitism. Right, like comedians were not going into it because it wasn't good for business, right? Like now you can talk about it, but I, I guess what I'm saying is like... You can talk about, you, comedy yeah. has to be something that's universal. Right. So right now, anti-Semitism is universal. So if I'm doing a show at the Comedy Cellar and I bring up the topic of anti-Semitism, the whole world knows that. The whole world knows that these Jews were beaten in a synagogue. A swastika was put up over here. They know it's happening. I find a humor in it. I find a way that it's, you know, here's a form of anti-Semitism you haven't heard of. And they're like, oh, wow, that's hilarious. Yes, that's right. I didn't even thought of that. You know, it has to be a topic that's universal to everybody. Have you found like being in... I don't know if this is the correct term, but like show business, I guess, but like in the entertainment industry, have you found that like currents of anti-Semitism have shifted since when you started to where you are now? Yeah, but, but the anti-Semitism in show business is from Jews. Really? It's from Jews. It's from Jews. Yeah, it's from Jews. Like in what I've sense? I've been in pitch meetings with networks and with, um, so funny that you asked that, you know, where you're showing them a script and a pilot and whatever, and you're talking to whatever, your, your agents and whoever the, the network is, and they're all like... You see like the Irish guy, the Italian guy, they're loving it, they think it's hysterical. And the Jewish guy goes, well, you know what? I get it because I went to, I went to, we went to Hebrew school until I went to, until I got my bar mitzvah. So I understand, but the middle of America won't really get this. I'm literally what getting, putz, uh, what a stupid anti-Semite putz. Meanwhile, some of the best shows in the world had a, the nanny. I was watching episode of the nanny. Did you ever see that with Fran Drescher? Yeah. Half the shows in Yiddish. Yep. Half the show is in Yiddish. And also like and everyone else ho- is doing this, like Master of None. And he feels, he's yeah. so apologetic that there's a pitch meeting was brought in and he's like telling, hey, hey, Christian and, and Chad, sorry about this, you know, it's, I know I get it, but it's not like, ugh, ugh, you self-hating Jew, you. And that's, liter- that's, that, that's anti-Semitism in the, in the show business. Exactly, no, because huh? like, that's exactly the point, meaning like every other sub-community now has understood the power of authenticity of like leaning in. I was like master of none. It was all like not a single white actor in the show. Indians, Asians, like Rami leaning into like what it means to basically be like a from Muslim in North in like Northern Jersey. Right. Yeah. Like why are we the only ones who can't do this? No, you're the, what you just said now, the power of authenticity is so it 
It's so it. The one thing I learned is connect to your audience and the rest will follow. John Legrizamo, Latin comedian, has a show discussing in depth what Latin means, what it means to be Latin and all that, and the rest of the world follows. The Jews are in the audience listening to it. They're having a different experience than somebody who grew up in a Latin home, but they're enjoying it and they, they understand it. You understand it? So it's, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's a power of authenticity is a huge, huge word that you just flew over there, but it's on that one. So the last question I have is like, you've done, you've done so many, like the characters that you have that we've talked about, like Yaeli, Nier, a lot of like confidence, bringing that, like that new Jewish voice. So if you're like, if you're, I guess I don't want to take anything proprietary, obviously, but like, if you're thinking about like, what's a, what's like a great project, like we could be working on what you know to bring that voice to the to this generation you know whether it's you know whether it's using like social media or whatsapp or whatever like what are we doing like what's the next project i, I don't know you have to constantly just keep doing po- I, I have a podcast now and the guests that i've been having on it's Wait, been, promote the podcast been, what's it called and here's modi let's do it and here's modi press subscribe and here's modi and the reason i call it and here's modi is because I, i'm so used to performing where it's such a crazy setup before I go on. Do you know, like when I hang out with other comedians that just do only theaters and only comedy clubs, you know, I'm performing for organizations like <laughs> Boine Oilum or RCCS or any of these diseases. Amudim, right. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, or Hatsala, and they show a movie that's absolutely horrendous. And then they bring, and here's Modi. So one of my jokes, and here's Modi. So I, the podcast, and here's Modi. And it's also, it's a better way to just, to meet me rather than just seeing me on stage. So and the guests I've been having are like super pro-Jewish, but like fun. And the, the, the next generation of, ju- of you know, of, of what's happening. I don't know, we had, from every, had Manus Friedman on, Rabbi Manus Friedman. He wrote a book recently and uh, we promoted the book. And uh, just he, even though he's old school, the way he thinks is new, you know, the way he thinks is new. And um, we had this woman that came with a, a line of Judaica items. It's just, just so nice to like, to see Judaica like that's modern, that fits in in the house, that doesn't look like the, your grandma grabbed it out of the <laughs> Warsaw ghetto on her way out, you know? And so that type of a thing, we had Jackie Mason's daughter on who's bringing the past and what happened with her and, and the inside story of that. So it's, Promoting and, and my co-host, and so frankly, as I see you just throwing out J- Jewish terms, but my co-host keeps me in track to make sure that I don't start going super Jewish and lose people <laughs> who don't understand what halacha is or what a mikvah is. Jewish law, ritual bath. So she, so I, I, I right away, <laughs> so I speak, I turn to her and explain it to her really quick and then go back into the, into the conversation. That was like my favorite part, by the way, of like the Yaeli videos, because like there's like this character who never appears on screen, who's like just off screen, who like every now and then is like uh, the guy that Modi's like looking at like, yeah, 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 you know, like that was my favorite part of the Modi. Like that's your co-host, you know, your Yaeli co-host. <laughs> no, in, in my head, when I'm filming it, I'm thinking he took a studio and he's got 70 people working for him. And Hasidim, you, you, you never see Hasidim alone. They always have that, always with a pack of people. <laughs> and so, you know, it's whatever, whatever. So he's got his people and, you know. And it's just me and the producer Leo and, and in the room and we do all of this stuff and uh and uh but the part of the characters they always have people they talk to, you know? I love it. You know, so it's a part of the character. 
Ah, oh, I love it. I'm so fired up from this pod. I uh, can't wait for you to see him live on stage. <laughs> I cannot wait for you to see him live on stage. And this is just starting now, so I'm I'm beginning to write material for him too now. So it's it's fun. It's a have, lot of fun. Do you have dates to promote? Like where where can people come see you? Wow. Um yes. I am going to be And by people I mean me, but everybody also. 2 weeks. Okay, so I'm going to be at Governor's Comedy Club in Long Island. I'm going to be at the Laugh Factory in Los Angeles. Um, yes. That's going to be, I'm not sure if Yoli's going to be there. I just see a <laughs> room for him there. But um, the Laugh Factory in Los Angeles, I have a billion little, like a billion, thank God, the Bikr Holim here, uh, Hatsala here, uh, all of these private events happening too. But that's, you can buy tickets. And of course, ModiLive.com and also Modi underscore live on Instagram. Go to it. My, all my shows are listed there and they're constantly popping up. And we just did the, the shows, the, the Know Your Audience tour is really, really good. Ah, oh, yeah, I love it. Amen, Modi. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, and Hatzlacha. And uh, when you get that idea of what we should be doing to promote uh, positive, fun, happy, laughter, Jewish, let me know. I genuinely cannot think right now. I'm so fired up. Look, <laughs> whether you're Jewish, Christian, some other tradition, just remember what I've been talking about since day one on this show. Be proud of who you are. Lean into your tradition. Lean into authenticity. Lean into community. Lean into your family. Don't feel like you're missing out on the cool kids table because you are the cool kids table. That's the takeaway from today's show. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the pod, then please Go ahead, be a legend, head into Apple Podcasts, go into iTunes, check out Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, and give us a rating, five stars only, because it helps people find the show. All right, that's it for now. This is Ari Lam making a good faith effort. I'll see you next time. Faith Effort was created and written by Ari Lamb. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice, because it really helps others find the show. Our executive producer is Josh Cross. The show is produced and edited by Paul Ruest. This is a Soul Shop podcast presented by B'nai Zion. Follow us on Twitter at GFaithEffort. Follow Ari at Ari Lamb and sign up for our email list at soulshopstudios.com slash goodfaitheffort. For more information about Soul Shop, follow Soul Shop on Twitter at Soul Shop Studios and on Instagram at soulshop underscore studios. And check out soulshopstudios.com. Soul Shop Studios.